Hi, I'm Martha Zink, and welcome to the Context Podcast by Proofgeist. This is the show where we talk about all the things that are going on in the Claris FileMaker community. You've probably wondered whether your FileMaker solution should be a single file or multiple files. For this episode, we focus on just that. I'll be talking with John Renfrew and Todd Geist about security, the data separation model, and other things to consider when you're thinking this through for your own FileMaker solution. My name is Todd Geist. I'm the CTO of Proofgeist, and um, this is an interesting topic. I'm very excited to get into it. It's something that should be covered on a regular interval because as the platform changes, um, recommendations would, would change on this. So we can, we'll get into that in, in, the, in the meat of the conversation. Perfect. John, what about you? Want to introduce yourself? Um, I'm John Renfrew uh, from my accent. I'm in the UK, not America. So we're having a kind of cross-ocean conversation. I've known Todd for a long years, yeah. a lot of years. Understand that he has some very interesting opinions that sometimes I just <laughs> want. I want. I just want to know what he thinks sometimes because maybe <laughs> where he's come from is a different space to me. But like Todd, I'm I'm also interested in the idea that the platform grows and changes, and therefore the views that we have, we just need to revisit them every now and then. So that was the, the spark for the idea of the conversation. I was in a thing with Todd and I, he said, the number of files in a system is not a good proxy for how complex the system is. You can have a very complex system in one file or you can have a system that's very simple in multiple files. And I just went, well, that sounds like a good place to start having a conversation. Why would you have multiple files when we can have a relational database? So that's the starting for 10. I love it. I think it's going to be great. All right. Awesome. So why don't we start with there? Why don't we start with the conversation about multiple files, single files, maybe just generically talk about the two options and then we can dig into it a little bit. Yeah, sure. I, I, I'll i kick it off. And, you know, um, this has changed a lot over the years. I mean, going back to pre-FileMaker 7, there were 50 files and 50 tables. So if you had a complex solution, you had 50 files <laughs> and you had 50 tables and that, and, and that was the limit. Um, you actually, people would do crazy things like opening and closing files uh, as needed uh, with different logins to get different files loaded, so you could you could change up the number of uh, number of database tables that you had. So that was kind of it. Um, when FileMaker Seven came, we've got we got the ability to put multiple files into multiple tables into one file. So a lot of people immediately wanted to get rid of the complexity of having all these files. And get it into one file, and, and that did make a lot of sense. Um, but uh, even back then, there were there were good reasons to have multiple files, uh, and that that has changed. Um, though those those reasons have changed over the years, but I would say in general, um, there it, it really doesn't have a lot to do with the complexity of the system. It has more to do with how you're going to be deploying the system. Uh, and whether or not less files is better for that scenario. Um, because other than that, there's one other thing that really kind of gets in there, and that is authentication. Um, if you do not have external auth or OAuth, then managing passwords in multiple files is a pain in the butt. But other than that, there's just a lot of different trade-offs you can make based on how you want to structure your files, how you want to deploy those files. Um, but in terms of how FileMaker works, there's not a lot of um, real showstoppers between one file and many files. There's different trade-offs, but 
FileMaker is going to work approximately the same for most cases, whether you have everything in one file versus everything split up over multiple files. So let me just stop there and, and ask John to respond or. I, you know, I'm like you, I, I have been back in those pre seven days where, and I've worked with systems where people had 20 different files with a, a different thing in there. Uh, it led to you having to think about what the entity was. If you go back to the FileMaker training series, you have to think about a table contains some entities and you have to dig down into what those entities are. So it led you to be very disciplined because you had some strict boundaries. That's one of the things that I think may be a good thing in that scenario. If you can just put everything into one file with loads of tables, we end up with the angel of death as your relationship graph because you can stick anything anywhere and join it together with no real thought about whether that's performance or not. So that's one area where it doesn't match that you haven't built a complex system. And obviously the big poster child for multiple files was the thing called the separation model. The idea that your data lives in one file, which could be on some server you know not where because you don't care because the file that you are working with is effectively just a front layer to the data. And so your deployment thing is answered by the data never changes. It stays there, it's never touched. But what you get as the front end could be easily replaced because you're not, there's nothing in that. And that was a good model for using FileMaker Go, just have a different interface on the phone or the iPad to the desktop. So that became quite popular but I don't know whether it's it's taken it took off enough to to be the definitive way of doing things. Well, I think in the before we had the data migration utility, there was there were the one of the biggest bottlenecks to doing development on you know on one server or one machine and then pushing those changes to to the server to go live, for example was that it, it could take you all weekend to do an import. And I'm not exaggerating. Like I literally mean all weekend just to do the imports. And that is if you had, if you had automated the import. So years ago, um, back when I, when I used to work at new millennium, which is now Codens, um, we had 50 files and 50 tables and there were 50 automated imports that had to do that you had to, that had to run when you needed to upgrade from one version of our Genesis platform, I should say their Genesis platform, because they still have it um, to another, it would take you, it, it could, if it was a big enough system with enough data in it could literally take 48 hours to run those imports. So what people would do as a way around that was they would put the data in, in one file or in, in back in those days in some files, but they would have a UI file that would reference all that data through through relationships and all of the logic and the presentation would be in that ui file uh, and that wouldn't have any data so you could literally just replace that on the server and you wouldn't have to do all weekends you know do all weekend of upgrades and, and people would do all kinds of crazy things they'd have extra fields in the tables just waiting to be used you know if you decided you needed a, a new text field um, in a system you would have a you would have a dozen utility text fields just waiting to to be used by a new feature, 
Uh, and so that's the kind of crazy, the kind of the kind of the craziness that we used to have to do. Uh, and then after seven, people would still do that. They would still have the, they would still have the the separate UI file. Uh, they may have less data files, but they would still use one file to house all of the UI and most of the logic. And that again was to get around the imports. So the the imports were a big, big blocker. Uh, that you just if you were going to do any kind of vertical market solution, you really, you just really had to deal with. Um, since it's, since the data migration tools now around, we can, you know, we have things like auto, which can take, which can completely automate the process of upgrading any number of data files, um, on a server. And that goes from taking all weekend to taking a few minutes to an hour or two, that constraint is gone. So there's no, you don't need to separate, like you literally really needed to separate your files if you were going to have any kind of a any kind of a business where you're going to be upgrading solutions you had to do it now it's not the case you don't have to do it so now you have to now it it becomes more a question of um what things are you optimizing for and that determines whether or not you're going to do one file or many files so i, I think one of the other reasons why people might pursue multiple files as the whole system so if you, if you have a system, but it's broken into discrete pieces by department, we'll say, then you can contain the logic and the data for that department into a file. So if you're in accounts, you only need to see this part of the process. You don't need everything that the whole system contains to do with the workshop or the dispatch yard or whatever. And that that may be a good way of, splitting up both the functionality and it also deals with concerns around security if you just don't even have those tables and those records in the file that you have access to then we've become very aware of in the in the uk pii personally identifiable information well if you just don't have those bits of records that you can ever see you don't have to build a security model that excludes people from those areas so there may be an advantage there just question. I'm, I'm curious when you think of, um, it sounds like, I mean, we know that this whole conversation is around caveats, right? There are different, there are trade-offs, there's, there's no right or wrong answer from the get-go, but as a developer, when you start to develop, to create a new file, when you have a new project, uh, when we're lucky enough to start with, you know, file new, where, what questions are you asking to, to make these decisions? And how reversible are those decisions too? They are reversible. You can have a file that starts in a single file and split it. In fact, we, we've done that many times. And there, and also the reverse is possible, which is to bring to bring um, the code from multiple files into one file. And that's, I mean, that's, it's work, it's labor. Somebody has to do a bunch of things in a certain order to make that work. But if you know the checklist, how, what in what order to copy and paste code from one file to another, you can absolutely make that make that work, um, but depending on how much code you're moving, it could take quite a bit of time to do. Um, so I start with with a couple of things. One is is if the files if the file is 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 very simple, then um, it, it, I mean if the problem is very simple, I'm probably going to put it in one file. There's just there's not a reason to go and come and go and add a second file to it if if it's quite simple. Um, the other one might be um, if I want to deliver this 
to lots of people and they, uh, they might be on hosting plans, which are limited by the number of files, then, which is how a lot of FileMaker hosting is done. Not the way we do it at Automatic, by the way, uh, on our hosting platform, but a lot of FileMaker hosting is done based on a, you know, there, there's a limit of the number of files that you can, you can have on a server. Then you might only want to have one file. So an example of that is LedgerLink. Now LedgerLink is fairly complex. Um, and you know, if it was a standalone so, uh, custom solution, um, that was in a, what it does is, is it syncs with QuickBooks online. Um, and if we were doing that, you know, custom, then we might just break it up into a couple different files because it's fairly complex. But, uh, if, if we want to sell it to a lot of people, then we probably want to have it just in one file, uh, so that people don't ever have to say, well, if I. If I add two or three files, that's going to put me over the limit of my hosting. And now I have to upgrade my hosting. So we want to just remove that from being a, from being a, any kind of a question, then we're just going to put it in one file. So that's kind of where I start is how am I, what is the deployment of this? Is it just custom one customer Then I might be more likely to split it up. But if I'm going to be distributing this to a bunch of people, I might be more likely to put it into one file. So one of them. I, well, one of the things uh, is around what, for me, what kinds of data you're going to be storing in the overall thing. So, for example, the op the opposite there might be true if you were storing uh, a lot of a lot of linked documents in a in a system, and the reason the logic might be well, if all of the documents were in a separate file. Um, then the backup of that file could be done on a different schedule to the backup of the main file, for instance, either because if you, particularly if you're a good boy and keep a log of all of the documents you add to the system, then it really doesn't matter if you're only backing up once a day because you have last night's backup and a log of all of the files you added subsequently and to which records, but that your kind of core data, you can be backing up once an hour. So one of the so so this is around what are the potential benefits of, in fact, having multiple files. Um, for me, it's a, yeah. It starts with well, what what is the system intended to hold for the customer? Is it you know what type of data, and and which types of data are going to be required to have a very high backup frequency? But you don't want to be backing up fifty gig once an hour because you're just going to fill up, fill up your hard drive unnecessarily. Oh, and slow down all the users while you're taking that long to back it up, for example. Yeah, so backups are a part of it. You have to, you, you may have to optimize your file structure just for backups so that, they so, that they, so that they happen fast enough. Yeah, that makes sense. If we go back to talking about some, some models, we talked about the separation model as an example of where you would have multiple files. Um, can you think of other examples where you would have, where there are other models for multiple files? Yeah, so a common one that we've used for years um, and are pretty happy with is um, so we would have like your a core con like the the sort of starter for a complex solution would be three files, really down to maybe two now. But I'll talk about why that switch. But then we had three files, and the three files were data scripting and UI. Sometimes we call it data, UI, and controller. Um, 
and we would have those three different files. And the advantage we got from the three different files was not so much about imports anymore because with the data migration tool, the data imports weren't an issue. So we, we didn't really, it wasn't really about having the data separated. It was about the context in which you were working as a developer. So if you're, if you're doing UI work, you're in the UI file and everything that you see is part of the, U, is part of the user interface layer. So you're not dealing with, with entity relationships. You're not dealing with having to set up cascading deletes between the different parts of the graph. The graph you were looking at is UI. The, the scripts you were looking at is UI. And, the, um, and then the layouts you're looking at are all UI. There's no other considerations in there. You're not having to think about having to have layouts that are for complex scripting or having to have table occurrences that were set up for data-only reasons, right? And we have the same benefit on the data side. When we're looking at the graph in the data file, the graph that we see is only about data. It's not about scripting and it's not about UI. So there's no extra table occurrences in there for, you know, just to show certain things from certain other table occurrences. Uh, and, and the same for scripting. When we're looking at the scripting and we're doing complex data manipulation, we're able to build a nice transactional safe um, entity relationship or rather just a relationship graph. And we don't, again, we're not worried about those other things. So that when you can take parts of a solution of a complex system and compartmentalize it and say, it's over there. I don't have to think about that now because the job I'm doing right now is I'm writing a database transaction. I'm not worried about UI. I'm worried about a database transaction. Database transactions are done at the scripting layer. So I'm in the scripting file and everything I see is part of that context. It's not part of the UI and it's not part of the data. So that to me had, had a lot of advantages. Um, uh, and the other, there were some reasons why the UI and the scripting was separate. Um, and that had to do with basically the, the behavior of new windows. So now we're getting into the details here. When you, up until card window ship, which was FileMaker 16, I believe, if you, if, if you wanted to do a new window to go and do some scripting off screen, like you didn't want to do you and, and you, let's say, so you're on a UI and you don't want it to move because if you leave the layout and come back, it's going to be on a different tab. The, you know, the, that, that whole state of that window may change and you might have script triggers on that layout that are going to fire if you leave. Right. So all that stuff, um, if you open a new window in the same file, you were going to, again, trigger script triggers because the new window was going to open on the same layout you were on. So now you're going to fire your enter script trigger windows and you're going to do all this stuff that, um, that uh, you didn't want to happen just to do some scripting, right? So having a separate file, you didn't have that. You just would call a script in the other file. That script could be, that, that file's hidden. It's never showing in the UI. It doesn't impact the UI that the, that the user is looking at. It just goes and done its, does its thing. And when it's done, you just return, you refresh the window and the data is up to date and you don't have to reset the, the UI. Since FileMaker 16 and we can do new window and target an empty layout, the benefits, the, the big benefits of having a separate scripting file from a UI file, um, you don't, it's, it just, it isn't there as much. So 
you can do all your scripting in the same UI file um, and have a separate graph for it, and you, you don't need to have it. So it's one. It's another. It's another trade off you can make. Um, I know we're going to be doing a lot of transactions. We're going to do a lot of these API first development kind of things where our, where our scripting is going to be very complex. So we'll do it in another file. But if the system's not that complex, it's somewhere in between. I can still do it and do it in one file. But a, a big advantage with the card windows, um, as you know, I published a couple of things where before we got to add-ons, where the whole of a piece of functionality was uh, encapsulated in a file that you would only ever call through a script in the other file into a card window to do something. Uh, I've got a kind of very interesting date and time picker, for instance, was, was the first thing. There's some other things I've done with it, but it, everything's encapsulated in that other file through the card window. And then once you've finished with it, it goes away and the other file is no longer open. So you don't have all of that legacy trail of open windows. So you've managed to encapsulate it. And then because you are just calling it from a script with a file reference, you can then add. So this for me is one of the benefits of splitting some functionality out is then, well, I can call that in any file I choose. It's sitting there on a the server. It doesn't even need to be on your FileMaker server. It can still be on mine. There may be a latency issue there, but it's like, it's, the, it's that goal of modular programming. Built it once, it works, just link to it. Then I, then I get all the bonus from that. And uh, I think that, you know, bringing that back into our core development was a, was a real benefit as well. Saying, hey, I don't need to, I can keep multiple files here because I can encapsulate some functionality, whether I see it as a machine or a black box or an interface widget, it, it means write once, never have to deal with dependencies, la, 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 la. So there, again, there are some real benefits there to multiple files, I think. Yep. Yeah. So the utility file module has been, that, that concept goes way back all the way to pre seven. Um, we, we, we would have one, we'd have one file in our big system that we could use for all kinds of sort of modular kind of thing. We didn't have multiple, we, we could only really do one because that was, since we only had 50, it was a possibility. Um, that was, uh, we, you know, we, we could only have one, but now, now you can have more. There's, there's, there's all kinds of picker models, things that are, that are complex to pick dates, times, um, searchable. Uh, I, I think there's, there's also an example of a, like a very popular quick find kind of thing. That's a separate file that gets added yeah. to the system. And, and, uh, and then it opens up as a card window. And the interesting thing about card windows is they can appear as a card window and where they're obviously laying on top of the window behind. But as I think John was the one to discover, um, they can actually take over the entire window. And if it's from a different file, it works just fine. Like, I think that was, that was such a, such a cool demo. I think I didn't, we didn't that get discovered. Wasn't it you and Jason at a pause yeah. that but discovered pause that pause. a number of years back? Pause, pause on error. Yeah. That one in the California Hills. The yes, it was, that's British right. It was Los wasn't working. Yeah. And Jason yeah. and I sat around and talked some theory and it turned into reality. It was great. Really, really great. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't think it's obvious um, that this would work, right? So you have a card window. If you have a card window defined in file B and you run a script from file A that says, open up a card window, 
you know, that basically calls a script in another file, says open a layout, but as a card window, that card window will mount inside of file A. So it, 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 it appears like you've imported the layout and imported all of the functionality into that system. And to the user, there's no difference. But to the developer, they're able to encapsulate that away in that second file, and they don't have to worry about mixing it in, right? And it can be used by a bunch of different files. So it was it was a big breakthrough in, in, the, in the kind of modules. The really, the really big discovery that made it work was that in file A, if you um, if you if you run a script where you're running it with you know with a pause, then the card window interrupts that because the, the UI takes over from the, That's right. it becomes yeah. the foreground file, not the background file. So, um, so you can run a script with an interval that once the card window closes, then that script will fire off because you've, because you close the window. That was the, uh, the a very interesting discovery. So, and um, so I have, I have a question around, so you mentioned it, we, our development is moving all the time, and we're starting to think about how API-based development works now. So where <clears throat> I think you have, in fact, talked about it a couple of times, where we're using FileMaker in a completely different way at the core of our, we're managing data in a different way, and the, we are interfacing and interacting with many other systems. We're getting a postcode from verification from a system we're sending an email from a transaction system we're doing our accounts we're sending messaging we're doing all kinds of things so those are our machines which are not even necessarily built in filemaker filemaker has a kind of special place so that is changing how we're considering yeah i mean that was one of the reasons behind this this controller file or eight we also call it an api file um because what became clear was that if you if you're building uh, a complex system in FileMaker that has a that has very complex scripting. Um, you needed to make that run in a context that would work from whatever system was calling it. So, in the old days, it's just FileMaker. Really, we're you know we're not we're not running it um, from from other systems. We're not using a REST API. I mean, I mean, we could use XML and run scripts and things like that. So it it did. It was out there, but what, what started to occur to us was that if I'm going to write, let's say it's a, let's say it's a system where I am registering people for an event. And so there's that, that script that is like, you know, new registration has to do a lot of things. Um, it has to, I might have to look up a record in a contact table or create one if it's not there. It might have to record a financial transaction. It might have to, uh, you know, put that person in certain classes or certain sessions of that event, kind of thing. So that so that could be quite complex. And it would it, um, the other thing that kind of made this possible was again, FileMaker 16 was big. It was a big, big release. And in addition to, to card windows, it also had JSON. And so now we could define the data that's coming that that is, is this new registration as a JSON blob, right? contact information, payment information, session information, all could be encoded in a JSON object, which we could pass around. And so we had this idea of JSON in, JSON out. So our FileMaker script would take JSON and it would do everything it needed to do transactionally, 
to make sure that, for example, um, if something didn't happen, that there were no half, there was no half data entry, right? It would, so the, the entire transaction could be rolled back and into a, you know, do over stage, as opposed to I recorded the person signed up for the event, but not what sessions. And now it's, it's broken, right? So we could define our, our rules so that, so that the script would, would only allow complete, um, complete entries to go through. Once we did that, we, we, we really recognized that, Hey, I might want to call this from a FileMaker Go app. Maybe I've got an, a Go app that I'm running at the event, right? I'm at the event and now somebody's coming to the event and they need to register right there. Well, FileMaker Go might be a totally different app. The FileMaker app running on the iPads might be completely different, and it, but it still needs to call that same script. I am not going to write that script twice. Or I may have a web app that's going to be connecting to it, and I'm not going to write that. I'm not going to write that logic twice. So having a controller file is a central location for complex API API driven development that can be called from a FileMaker file, a web app, Zapier, um, some other some other kind of webhook system. You know, like like we have with Auto now um, that could be triggering this. It's not just a button on a FileMaker layout. It says, you know, submit registration. It could be all these different things. And so that's why the controller file, the API file exists. Um, that was one of the big reasons for it was because we're, we're, we are talking um, to our data from lots of different places. So one central location made a lot of sense. So um, I, uh, I did see Corn Walker did a presentation recently, one of the American user groups around some of the things that he and I know you have been thinking about. <clears throat> one of them triggered a very interesting idea. So, so one of the, if you're a database purist, you want to be normalizing all your data, and that's why having all the tables in one place and tight relationships that's all really cool. <clears throat> but if you if you go back to the, you're you're here to do a task. What you need to be presented with is all the data to do that task. Maybe you approve something, or maybe it's a more complex than that. So if I give you, as a piece of JSON, everything that you need to do that task, that gets presented in the UI to you, you interact with it and then go, I finished. It can go away and you have no idea. And in fact, you don't care about where it might be saved and how it might be saved anymore because you have done your job. Now, I'm, as you know, quite, so what, the other part of the reason for the conversation is I'm very interested in how the data API and also particularly OData, now that we have it on Linux, is also modifying the way that we can interact with our systems so that in reality, I no longer care where the source of this data is within FileMaker. It's in a table somewhere. I can access it really, really simply and I can interact, <clears throat> interact with it by Bring me the JSON I need of the object that I need to work with. Allow me to work with it. Parcel up the JSON, send it back. And what I can do along the way is log. What did you get given? What did you send, get sent back? So you can do some kind of diff on the, the whole, what your interaction was. That leads, that, that's one thing that's leading to, well, maybe it's about breaking things back up again, not by the type of data that's in it, but by the type of function that you're, trying to provide. Did that make sense? It does. Um, 
It does. So this is the functional model of breaking things up. Um, and I think that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there's another piece to this that's important around why you might want to break things up into other apps and into multiple files that exchange data in, in interesting ways. I mean, the old way we did this, um, or I shouldn't say old, it's the current best practices we use, we call scripts and other files and we use external file references to pull table occurrences into, uh, into a file and we get data that way from other, our other file maker systems. Um, and the, that, that is, uh, that's certainly the way we've been doing it for, well, since FileMaker 7, really, well, even before external file references is the only way we can pull data in. But the problem with that is those, those links are hard coded. They're hard coded. You, and you can't, you can't change them when the file is open unless you change it and close the file and come back. That's so there's right. No, there's nothing dynamic about that. That's right. And, and in a complex system, the, the, the size and complexity of the relationship graph becomes a bottleneck. Uh, it becomes the slow point in the system. Uh, and, and once the problem with that is that once you have a system that is, you know, you've got this one giant graph, let's take the extreme case is that thing becomes very difficult to use and the data in it becomes very difficult to use because any accessing of the data, you're essentially accessing all the data and all of the, all of the unstored calcs. I mean, you can, you can work around this to some degree, but simply opening a file with a massive relationship graph takes time. And um, so that becomes part of the bottleneck. And so you want to figure out ways in which you can break that apart if you can, because that will allow things to move on their own, on their own pace. Right. So another, another reason to break things up is, is agility. You want a certain part of the application, you know, you're going to be making a lot of changes to let's take the event registration piece just to say that. And the rest of the ER of this massive system that we're, that we're building on is basically stable and we're not messing with it too much. Well, it might make a lot of sense to pull the, all the event registration stuff out into its own app because that's going to be changing. Maybe every event is a little different. Maybe you're going to be iterating on that over the number of events you're going to do. Whatever it is, you want to be able to change that quickly. And you don't want to have to deal with the rest of the app slowing you down as part of that process. And so now we get into things like, um, like some kind of controlled syncing using um, like event models, where if a record changes in the source system, it, it notifies this event registration system that, hey, there's a new, the contact has changed, so let me just update that. Um, and now you've got two apps that are exchanging data, but they share no external file references or, or external data sources is the current name. And that's using something that we, we've been talking about recently uh, called event driven stuff. So um, we have this file called SimpleQ, which allows you to set these kinds of data exchanges up that allow you to, to uh, access data or to use data from another system without actually having to do um, any external data sources. And there's a lot of advantages to that, not just the fact that it's smaller and easier, but the, the security model can be completely different. Personal information can be kept out of it. All the things we talked about earlier are there too. And the added benefit is that that file is completely different and completely unconnected to the other, to the main system. So another reason, another reason to break it up. 
It's interesting because I think that when we think of FileMaker and anyone who is newer to the FileMaker platform, the biggest benefit is that it's a one-stop shop for everything, right? I can do the UI, I can do the script, I can do the relationships one place. I don't have to go look for different things. But you've used some pretty keywords. Both of you have used some keywords here, agility, modular, everything in its place. I mean, it feels like it's a change in mentality of how we're doing development. But at the same time, you're simplifying in that you're you are putting things in its place, right? You're not trying, you're not just trying to do everything in one place where it can get really messy and there's a lot of confusion, especially on a larger system. You're trying to really keep everything organized and as it grows, it's a little bit easier to handle, right? Yeah. Um there's there's two points I want to make sure I make before we finish this. One is you do want to be careful. Uh, I think when people start learning about these ideas. They get very excited and they want to apply them everywhere. And that's just, a, that's just something you, you're going to have to go through. I think all developers go through that phase or discover a new technique. And now everything, you know, you've got a new hammer and everything's a nail and you're just going to pound of everything course. with that, that same thing. <laughs> and, and I don't think there's a way to learn not to do that except by doing it too much and then struggling to ship a feature to a customer and realizing that you've just made things really complex. Um, and then you realize, well, maybe, I, you know, then you just learn. And I, so if you're in that phase, enjoy it, <laughs> enjoy, the fa- <laughs> enjoy the phase of everything is, is a certain way and just go with it. You will learn um, like we, like we all have. Um, so I do want to mention that. Um, the other thing that's, I, I think is related to what you were, you were just saying is, well, it maybe, maybe it's another trade-off or another way in which other files coming in can really matter can really help. We all like to believe that the solutions that we work on um, are brand new and clean slate. We can just start them up and go to town on them. Uh, And that just isn't the case. Uh, Most of, well, I don't know about most, but a lot of the development that we do, and I think any FileMaker developer does, is they're handed a system. And that system almost certainly has things baked into it that you will not be able to change. <laughs> There's just, you, you cannot like rewrite a solution. Like you're, you're given a massive file and your answer to the person who is saying, I need new features can't be, okay, I'm going to spend three months breaking this up into smaller files. So then we can ship your new feature because first of all, it won't be three months. It'll be six months or a year. Um, and then you haven't shipped anything new, right? Like you've done nothing to add value to that system. So another way in which files can be, can be important, uh, separate files can be important is you might be able to, to, to deliver new features um, by adding new files. And uh, so one of the, or you can start new best practices by adding a new file. So one of the ways, a really quick win that we've had a lot of experience doing over the years is somebody comes in, they've got a, they've given us a file. It's a mess. It's got a lot of problems. We can't fix those problems as like our first deliverable because it won't actually, it won't actually add new value to the system. We simply would have fixed a lot of technical debt. Technical debt versus new development is a, I'll leave that aside as a, as a conversation to have maybe at a different, different time. but. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to go in there and start just building in that thing because we don't even know what the impacts of what we're doing are, are going to be on the full system. We don't, we don't have experience with the layouts and the script triggers and all the things that are in there. 
we do have an analysis tool, FM Perception, which can help us get a handle on some of those things. But really, ideally, what we'd like to do is just say, let's leave that file alone and let's drop a new file in here where we can start doing things the right way. And um, and so so one way you can do that is a controller file or an API file where you start writing complex logic as transactions. Um, and you can call it from the old file. You can run a script, call it, do this, do this stuff. And you have not impacted that file at all. Like there's no way that you can break something by putting stuff in a new file, right? You, you now have a, you now have like a section of your application that's green and it's a green field and you can work there the way that you want in a, in a pristine way. Um, and so that's another way, uh, another reason you might want to do it. There's some interesting stuff around, um, that, that Elon Musk quote that's been floating around just recently, um, you know, whether you like him or not, that the, the idea that far too much time in engineering is spent with engineers trying to hone and fix a problem that shouldn't even be exist. a problem in the first place. Right. <laughs> it shouldn't actually exist. So the, the extent to which when you look at one of those, we'll call it generously, we'll call it a legacy system, is that people spend all of their time with workarounds for things that actually a new, even if it's just a new iPhone, can fix. So things like helping with data entry, making sure that you can't have an extra carriage return in a line and address can be really simply handled. And then you remove certain types of problems. You know, so everything from field level validation of data entry, that kind of stuff. Those kind of things can be big wins because they actually start removing the things where people then have all of their workaround sheet. Oh, what to do here when I suddenly find out that this has gone wrong? Well, the reason is you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Um, so I, I think part of our part of our job isn't to be um, super scientists, but is actually to be uh, emotional engineers. Really, part of what part of what we do is is help manage customers so that they also think that the tools that we're using are really high quality tools and they don't look at all the problems they've got because our our job in part is to provide solutions isn't it that's you know, that's problem right. solver yeah problem solvers being our t-shirt well understanding what the problem is first is the key thing and then saying okay here's a, here's maybe here's a way to to deal with that it may just be, let's just add this other file for the moment because we can experiment then with this UI. We can experiment with a new way of doing it. And if you like it and it works and we can measure the benefit, well, we can copy paste that work back into your main file if that is the right thing to do because yep. we've also demonstrated our value. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, I mean, it's all about having having compassion for the for the users, but also the business. Right, so if if you get a legacy system, and you want to overhaul it, um, I mean the worst. I mean there there are there are worse things than taking nine months to deliver something new, and that is taking the system down in the middle of a busy time for that for that customer. Right, so a business continuity is absolutely key. So you 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 can't go into a into a into an old system, and just start breaking it. <laughs> just just because you want to apply your you know the latest best practice that you've heard about on on the context podcast um you actually have to make sure that you don't you don't make it worse like things that you ship the the primary 
the the primary rule you should have is when you're adding a new feature, do not make it worse. Like when you're adding code, don't make something worse. You can actually, I, I, yeah, exactly. You There are times when doing a bunch of things that the user never sees is right because it's the it's a building block for what's coming in the next iteration that you're doing. But a really good rule is do not ship something that makes it worse. Don't make something break. Don't make it worse for the users. Um, and, and so you have to do these tricks, like maybe a new file is exactly the right thing to do. And over time, you, you, you get to rebuild the system, but not all at once, because that honestly doesn't happen. Systems, large, ginormous systems do not get rebuilt over uh, in a new model that does the same thing. That doesn't happen. They, get, they might get rebuilt over time. And certain parts of the system will die away and new parts will, will, um, that weren't in the original system will get built. That's what happens. So you want to, you want to optimize for an iterative approach that doesn't make things worse and over time makes things better. And multiple files can help with that. I love this idea of using a new file to test something out, you know, whether it's a design, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for the UI and UX talk, and but the idea that we can try a new UI, try a new approach to getting accomplishing something. Let's try this new beta form and see how it works out and then bring it in or leave it as a separate file. I really like that. I think that I think um, for too long, we, we maybe get stuck in this idea of what I ship has to be there forever and it has to be right, correct, built, correctly built now so that they can use it forever and ever. But that's not reality, right? That things will change. Processes will change all, you know, it's, it's a moving world. It's a moving, a moving target. Yeah, I, I, I just recently had, um, it's a privilege really, somebody who wants me to do some stuff with them. I worked with them about seven or eight years ago. Um, they set up some team viewer sessions so I could just watch some of their people using the interface, no sound, just sit and watch it for a time. Uh, and I, my immediate things were all about usability. Why is that happening? Why does they go from there to there? Why do they, why do they go all the way across the screen to press the next button? Well, the big one was, they click this drop-down menu or a pop-up menu, and it contains a list of every single time in 15-minute intervals from 7 in the morning till 7 at night. And it's unusable because the one's down the bottom. And then the next one they click is a list of every single person in the organization who they're going to assign this next task to. And I just went, well, there's a thing that's ripe for change because somebody is scrolling, and the minute they scroll off that list it goes away it's not on the screen it's not persistent um what one of the things we get to you know we get to do is to look at systems sometimes when you step back that's a real bonus to be able to step back and go what would make this better and the point about the conversation is well to what extent sometimes would putting things in different files make things better not just easier from our point of view, but actually maybe technically better as well. If it's, a, if it's down to backup speed, um, backup size, um, being able to, we're just talking with somebody about taking all of their, their documents and anything that's more than 18 months old, um, archiving those to some kind of S3 compliant storage so that you haven't got 100 gigabytes worth of stuff you're backing up every single night because you remove them. If you need them, you can recover them kind of thing. Um, that's one of those, you know, for me, the area is just looking at what kind of in 
our job isn't just to architect from the, we don't always get a blank piece of paper as Todd says. We often get tasked with how can you make this better? And we need to understand what better looks like and what better we can measure. And if it's even measured in increments of a small number of seconds per task, per person, per day, for every day of the year, we can make measurable improvements uh, in the systems that we work on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, Todd, you made the comment that, you know, it's nice to start with the green file sometimes when you are handed a, a legacy system, as we'll call it. Sometimes it's our own legacy systems, right? I mean, something that we built 15 years ago <laughs> is a little bit different today by business rules, by standards of development. And so getting to start green in some of those places can can benefit everybody, right? It's not it's not just uh, it's, it's not just for us developers. It really does work for everyone and, and can let us test some stuff around. I love it. Todd, you talked a little bit about um, security earlier. You said one of the one of the potential issues of having multiple files is security. Can you talk a little bit more about that? That's a, that's a big one. This is easier now that we have more options for what is essentially external authentication, um, which we, we, we've had that for a long time, but it was um, uh, it was a challenge. Yeah, it was linked to big on-premise things like yeah it was active, basically active, active directory, directory open directory, directory and you, know, you couldn't really plan a system around it because not most people just didn't have it so what that meant is that every file had to have uh had to have an account for every person that you wanted to track individually in those accounts and so that was a big pain um and so that was actually one of the main reasons that people like to consolidate their files. And it was a good one, frankly, because there were, there were, I mean, there were whole solutions built around password management. Um, you know, the ability to change passwords in 50 files was, was important to have in the days when that was what your system was. Um, so there was whole systems built around that. There were whole, there were whole systems built around bespoke authentication where you would, um, ignore the FileMaker security and and roll your own layer on top of it through uh, through basically uh, just you know keeping things hidden. Um, I think those are two words you don't want together, right? Bespoke no, authentication. No, you do not. That's not yeah. where bespoke belongs here. <laughs> yeah, um, you want to use the built the security uh, settings in the platform, uh, and so. That was a real a real bottleneck to multiple files. One file was a lot simpler to deal with. You could just put your accounts in there and you were good to go. The thank, I mean, I don't know about thank, I guess thankfully is not the right word, but today most people don't actually want to put their 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 accounts in a file anywhere. Like you really just want to use one of the account management systems that are available through OAuth or through external authentication still as another possibility. But you can use Microsoft, you can use um, Google and Amazon, and now um, others. You can use any custom OAuth system you want to um, to allow the 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 authentication part of the auth authorization um, paradigm to ha happen somewhere else. And then all you need to do is just have you have account groups in every file that that you want, and and so that makes things a lot easier. What we used to have to do is we would have for things like utility files that would do things like date pickers or pickers or things like that, or, you know, contact pictures, pr product pickers, um, those kinds of things would have just an ad to kind of a, a, a quote unquote user account 
that the file would automatically open with. And that's, and it would, it, it would provide the functionality that it was needed, but it wasn't, the, the person wasn't logged into that file. It was just, just a, just a single user account would be used. And that's not great either. So now we have, we, if we're using OAuth, which, which is pretty much what I recommend, it just, it's really easy to put, to put group accounts in every file you need. So there's, I think this is one of the, our new areas because, you know, it's it's gradually getting rolled out into a wide, the ripples are getting wider from Claris from the center in terms of what's included in that kind of box of tricks. But, but there's still stuff around, but what about the legitimate need for somebody who needs to log in as two different entities? So somebody who in their day-to-day -day work is like a level user but actually is allowed to get in as manager at nighttime. Um, just managing that seems to be something that I'm still a little uncertain on. Yeah, you don't have a good way of elevating somebody's privileges temporarily, except by using, you know, run as full access kind of thing. Um, yeah, because you really only get one authentic, you get one OAuth lets you in. I think at that point you're dealing with, uh, security by obfuscation again, yeah. where during certain times of the day, you just don't let them do those things. Don't, don't let them do those things. And then, you know, at night they get, they get, they get more access. I don't have a good answer for that. But, well, or, or, you know, or at night, they actually log into a different file, which just has a regular username and password, but that file is data separated. And yeah, so they can do like the, task, yeah. the tasks they need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, again, right at the beginning, there's no single right answer to any of those kind of issues. It is about understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, however, how how wide the landscape is becoming and just making sure that we keep ourselves abreast of the conversation to understand what tools are in our toolbox to be able to say, oh, this is the right thing to do now. And also where there are things that we don't understand to go yeah. and make sure that we go and do the learning, do the experimenting, you know. Yeah. Try a few, yeah. try on a few uh, systems, see what, see what doesn't work, see what does work. Yeah. And I think one of the things that it's just way there, there's a take home message here, which is that you can use more than one file. Like, I think that's it. Like a lot of people don't actually really even know that they just are like, oh, well, I've only ever used one file because they're, they're, they're in house. They get a system, they have it. They've just done it that way. Um, and the, you can actually use other files. There are, like we've mentioned a couple trade-offs. The other one are, are global, are, are things like global variables. There's a few other edge cases you have to know about, but primarily it's going to work and it's going to work just fine. Um, and so that's like, you know, one big lesson. You can use more than one file. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly doable. Awesome. But earlier you said, you know, people should enjoy trying these things out, trying it. Yeah. Maybe too hard and committing too hard. And I think that's right, right? You got to play this yeah. out and see how it works. And yep. and the more we all learn about what the limitations are, the more that we can better choose what we're going to do for the next file, right? That's and for right. the next project. Yeah. And so, yeah. so I think that's a good note to end on probably. Um, thank you both for having this conversation. It's nice to hear no, thank you. just different considerations and different ideas. So hopefully we can have a, a V2 of this um, as, sure. as things keep changing and as we keep iterating through this, right? Yeah, sounds great. Sounds awesome. Great. Thank you, John. Thank you, Todd. I well, appreciate the time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you Good right, to see you. Bye, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Martha Zink again. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed it. It was really nice to be able to chat with John and Todd. Just a reminder that this is available on both YouTube and as a podcast. 
If you can take a minute to pause and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. But better yet, if you can share it with a friend, that would be pretty awesome. No matter if you're a FileMaker developer, a consultant, a user, a designer, a project manager, or whatever other role you might have in this community, you're proof of how amazing this community really is. My job is to help spread your knowledge and your stories on this podcast. Find me on Twitter at MZ123 or at ProofGeist, and let's share your story. 